Our reading today comes from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. This is a reading from the word of the Lord. I remember the first time, um, you know, technology moves so fast, there's always something new, right? So I remember the first time it dawned on me that someone had an earphone in their ear and a cell phone in their pocket. And and here's how it dawned on me. It, It first started out as a critical kind of thing. There was this guy in my community, and I would see him at certain times of the day, and he was just walking around the community, and he was talking to himself. And I'm thinking, that's kind of weird, man. Has he got an issue? He can't find anybody more important to talk to. He's just talking to himself constantly. I mean, walking for a mile, talking to himself. It must have taken me three or four weeks to realize that wasn't happening, right? He was talking to somebody else with this earbud thing in his ear. Now, having said that, I I use it as an introduction to this idea. Many times, if not most of the time, when we read a psalm, we're listening to an author speak about God or to God. This psalm seems to be qualitatively different. The psalmist seems to be speaking to himself. He's talking to himself. It begins by 
I want you to praise God and not forget. Those are the two main themes that really probably set the stage for the entire psalm. In other words, Yahweh is worthy of praise. And two, we have a tendency to forget. Don't we? That's why worship is so important. I I read an author this week that said, only those who praise do not forget. You must praise in order to remember, says the psalmist, and he's speaking to himself. We live in a world of information overload. There is so much information at our fingertips that the ancients would not have conceived of being possible. And there's also so much information at such a fast pace that as one person has said, in order to take in the new information, you have to forget old information. You can't possibly take it all in. I've I've noticed that I don't do social media, so don't even try to find me on Facebook or Twitter or anything. I'm not there. But my wife loves social media. And at night she'll be scrolling through things and listening and laughing and carrying on and I just want to go to sleep. And sometimes she'll say, you got to see this. And I'll say, okay, I'll do it later. She says, no, it'll disappear. It, it's, it's Instagram. It's only there for a little bit of time and then it's gone. That, that's the way our world is, right? The stuff is coming at us so fast. It's like we have to forget it in order to take in more information. So the first part of the psalm, I'll just call a reminder of God's loving kindness. Remember God's loving kindness. Verses three through six. First of all, he forgives all our sins. He forgives all our sins. Talk about information overload. We can't even keep track of all our sins. And he just forgives them. Just like that. You know, it's... uh, It's important to realize that the only way you can embrace this and see it as a blessing is to realize your need for it. If you think you're okay, if you think sin is not a problem, you're not going to see this as a glorious truth. You have to understand your own depravity in order to rejoice in the deep forgiveness of God. They go together. Or as the psalmist says in Psalm 130, If you numbered our transgressions, none of us could stand. We'd be down in a heartbeat. Remember, he forgives all your sins. Second, remember, he heals all your diseases. Now, a quick sort of modern-day interpretation would spiritualize this immediately. Oh, it can't mean anything about the body because we don't want to do health and wealth, and you know how I hate the health and wealth gospel. However, I think it's pretty clear he was actually talking about his body. Why do I say that? Because as you read on, it, it sounds like that. The psalmist was not suggesting that all our diseases will always be healed. 
But what he was suggesting is that healing physically does come from God. Again, we live in a world of what I'll just call dualistic thinking. It's either or. And it's detrimental to our understanding of a broader view of life. It's either this or it's that. It's either medicine or it's God. That is so wrong. Can I just be bold? That's so wrong. God is the great physician. He heals our diseases. And he uses people like you who are doctors sitting here to do his work. You know, the place this becomes most apparent to me is when I travel in other countries, especially Ghana, because I know it so well. The people that we have supported over there for 30 years have finally built a hospital. And it's saving lives of infants and adults all over the northern region of Ghana. And you know what? When I met with those people and helped them put beds together for the emergency room and all the things we did day after day, I also met with people in worship. And what did they do? They didn't dismiss the fact that medicine was on their doorstep that could cure them. They thanked God for the medicine that was on their doorstep that could cure them. And they gave glory to God for the healing properties that were among them. They put the two together. They couldn't separate them. They always see holistically. I mentioned it last week in the announcement about Juneteenth. But one of the remarkable features particularly of the older people who remember well racial discrimination and their parents were actually slaves. The interviewer asked them at one point something about what, what was it like? And this older lady said, they were just praising God. It was not Abraham Lincoln that gave them the Emancipation Proclamation. It was God. He heals all our diseases. Sometimes the more we learn about science, the less we believe in God. And that's just a false dichotomy. He redeems our life from the pit. And I think that's an extension of healing all our diseases. He saves us from the grave by healing us. But also, you can't read that as a New Testament Christian without thinking of the idea of the resurrection. He, he heals us spiritually. He heals us physically. And ultimately, he brings us back from the pit, the grave. And we experience the resurrection because of Jesus Christ. He crowns us with love and compassion. That, that's an interesting phrase. Crowns us. The way kings and queens were crowned. Crowns us. The way senators had a garland around their head. It's a sign of honor. God is giving us a sign of honor with his loving compassion. He crowns us with it. Just yesterday I did, I guess, well, I don't know, maybe my 100th wedding. It's been so many years. And on this particular occasion, the bride had a garland on her head. Real flowers. It was a beautiful garland. 
And, and I couldn't help but think about that as I saw her coming down the aisle. God crowns us with loving kindness. As she wept with her father coming down the aisle to see her soon-to-be husband, God crowns us with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies us with good things. Our tendency as human beings is to be satisfied with lesser things, correct? Uh, C.S. Lewis made an analogy one time. He said, we're kind of like children playing in a puddle when just down the road is the seashore. Why do we play in the puddle when God gave us the sea? We have a tendency to chase after trinkets in the material world. But God, if we're willing to open our eyes, gives us a new perspective on life and crowns us with love and compassion and satisfies us with good things. I, I think of the analogy of food. Every time I eat something I should not eat, it tastes so good and that I feel awful. When I eat something I should eat, I'm satisfied. In order to be satisfied with the good things that God gives us, we have to reorient our thinking about what is good. And that is a constant exercise for Christians in the contemporary world that we live in. We have to constantly reorient ourselves concerning what is truly good because the sirens of the world tell us other things are good. And God says, no, I will satisfy you with good things if you walk with me. Also, your youth is going to be renewed like the eagles. Interesting, that, that could mean one of two things or both. Uh, eagles are known to shed their feathers and have new feathers all the time, replacing them and those grand feathers growing back. It could also mean not just that kind of restoration, but the kind of restoration that an eagle has for soaring in what seems to be a limitless way. I'll restore your strength like the eagle so you can soar forever, so you can fly forever, so you can be like the eagle that amazed ancient people. Ancient cultures were amazed by the eagles, especially, as you know, Native American culture uh, frequently used eagle feathers to identify strength. I'm going to do that for you, God says. The second section, I'll break down in verses 7 through 19. The first was loving kindness, 3 through 6. The second is loving forgiveness, 7 through 19. The beginning of loving forgiveness is this, he makes himself known. That's the beauty of special revelation. God has revealed himself. And the description includes Moses and his grand deeds among the people. God says, I made myself known. My loving forgiveness starts with my presence. My loving forgiveness actually starts with my law. I'm making myself known to you so you can know how to live. His deeds are evident. His compassion, says the psalmist, is everywhere because he's slow to anger and abounding by contrast and compassion. 
He could often be angry with us, but instead, he's long-suffering. He will not always accuse, and there is plenty to accuse us of. Instead, he moves steadily towards forgiveness. His love is higher than the heavens. The ancients couldn't imagine anything grander than going up. Imagine what they would think now when we understand how many billions of stars and galaxies there are out there. Expand the text to that new understanding. His love is greater than all of that. That's how great his love is. He also remembers with that great love which goes beyond the heavens. He remembers who we are which is that we are dust, that we are dirt, that we are formed out of the earth. Remember the creation story. Once man in this beautiful metaphorical picture of creation is formed out of the earth, God breathes into him and he becomes a living soul. I know you're dust, but I also know something else. I gave you soulness in your dust. I am that forgiving and that loving. The psalm ends in verses 20 through 22, basically saying that everyone should praise God. Um, Of course, the angels have praised God from all eternity, continue to praise God as we were talking about reflecting heaven right here and will always praise God. It's not as though the angels needed a command from the psalmist, but the psalmist thought he needed to command us to remember that the angels always praise. That's what they do. And the command goes to the works of his hands. Even the works of his hands praise him. The sun, the moon, the stars. Every part of creation praises God, so we should too. In his broad dominion, which is everywhere, everything should praise him. Oh, so now, back to the beginning. Praise the Lord, and don't forget. He's talking to himself, the psalmist is, and he needs to hear his own words. He's talking to us, and we need to hear his words. We need to talk to ourselves. I mean, really talk to ourselves, not with the little thing in the air, but really talk to ourselves so that we don't forget. When things are going great, we need to talk to ourselves and say it's from God. When things are not going well, We need to talk to ourselves and remind ourselves of the blessings of God. So here's a suggestion for you and for me. What we do with this is that we remind ourselves that God has been and always will be good. That's Monday. (laughs) Tuesday, we remind ourselves that we are dust. No better than dirt, except for the fact that God breathed his image into us. And then 
we remind ourselves that his love for us goes higher than we can imagine. And we also remind ourselves that unlike us, he's slow to anger. I don't think I have an overly problematic anger disposition, but I know I have it too much. And God says, I'm not like you. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in love. And we should remind ourselves that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And whose there's not even a shadow of change. I um, didn't ask for his permission. Um, but I know that there are many of you who are uh, physicians. And you understand the efficacy of medicine. But if you're deeply devoted to Christ, you understand the healing properties of God himself. So some of you have had a surgery and a physician entered the room and before that anesthesiologist put the medicine in your veins, he stopped and said, can I pray with you? There's the perfect blend. I know this medicine will work. But can I pray for you? Um, that's my, my friend, Bill Campbell. So what should we do? Uh, something just real simple. Okay, what should we do? Here's what I'm going to try to remember to do, and maybe you can remember with me. Every morning when I wake up and look into the mirror... I'm not going to think about myself first. I'm not even going to try to pump myself up and say, you're made in the image of God, you're great, you can do it today. I don't suppose there's anything wrong with that. But I'm going to look into the mirror and I'm going to say, God is good. Don't forget it, Bob. Praise him and don't forget Let's pray. Lord, you are gracious to us. Slow to anger and abounding in love. And we are forgetful. We enjoy your benefits and then we forget them. We may even initially thank you for your blessings and then get frustrated by life and forget them. So as we leave this place of worship, which involves being routinely reminded of your loving care, may we walk from here ready to implement the elements of this psalm into our life. Make us those people who talk to themselves and remind us as we remind ourselves that you're worthy of praise. Don't let us forget. In the name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.